Chapter Twenty Five, Part One of The Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeanie. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni. Chapter Twenty Five, Part One. Next day, there was no one spoken of in Lucia's village and throughout the whole territory of Lecco but herself, the unnamed, the archbishop, and one other person, who, however ambitious to have his name in men's mouths, would willingly, on this occasion, have dispensed with the honor. We mean the Senor Don Rodrigo. Not that his doings had not before been talked about, but they were detached, secret conversations, and that man must have been very well acquainted with his neighbor who would have ventured to discourse with him freely on such a subject. Nay, people did not even exercise those feelings on the subject of which they were capable, for generally speaking, when men cannot give vent to their indignation without imminent danger, they not only show less than they feel, or disguise it entirely, but they feel less in reality. But now, who could refrain from inquiring and reasoning about so notorious an event, in which the hand of heaven had been seen, and in which two such personage bore a conspicuous part, one in whom such a spirited love of justice was united to so much authority, the other who with all his boldness had been induced, as it were, to lay down his arms and submit. By the side of these rivals, Don Rodrigo looked rather insignificant. Now all understood what it was to torment innocence, with the wish to dishonor it, to persecute it with such insolent perseverance, with such atrocious violence, with such abominable treachery. They reviewed, on this occasion, all the other feats of the Seigneur, and said what they thought about all, each one being emboldened by finding everybody else of the same opinion. There were whisperings and general murmurs, cautiously uttered, however, on account of the numberless bravos he had around him, a large share of public animadversion fell also upon his friends and flatterers. They said of the Senor Podesta that he richly deserved, always deaf and blind and dumb on the doings of this tyrant, but this also cautiously, for the Podesta had bailiffs with the doctor Azica Garbuli, who had no weapons but gossiping and cabals, and with other flatterers like himself, they did not use so much ceremony. These were pointed at and regarded with very contemptuous and suspicious glances, so that for some time he judged it expedient to keep as much within his doors as possible. Don Rodrigo, astounded at this unlooked-for news, so different to the tidings he had expected day after day, and hour after hour, remained ensconced in his den-like palace with no one to keep him company but his bravos, devouring his rage for two days and on the third set off for milan had there been nothing else but the murmuring of the people perhaps since things had gone so far he would have stayed on purpose to face it or even to seek an opportunity of making an example to others of one of the most daring but the certain intelligence that the cardinal was coming into the neighborhood fairly drove him away the count his uncle who knew nothing of the story but what he had been told by attilio 
would certainly expect that on such an occasion don rodrigo should be the first to wait upon the cardinal and receive him in public the most distinguished reception every one must see how he was on the road to this consummation the count expected it and would have required a minute account of the visit for it was an important opportunity of showing in what esteem his family was held by one of the head powers to extricate himself from so odious a dilemma don rodrigo rising one morning before the sun threw himself into his carriage griso and some other bravos outside both in front and behind and leaving orders that the rest of his household should follow him took his departure like a fugitive like it will perhaps be allowed us to exalt our characters by so illustrious a comparison like catiline from rome fretting and fuming and swearing to return very shortly in a different guise to execute his vengeance in the meanwhile the cardinal proceeded on his visitation among the parishes in the territory of lecco taking one each day on the day in which he was to arrive at lucia's village a large part of the inhabitants were early on the road to meet him at the entrance of the village close by the cottage of our two poor women was erected a triumphal arch constructed of upright stakes and poles laid crosswise covered with straw and moss and ornamented with green boughs of holly distinguishable by its scarlet berries and other shrubs the front of the church was adorned with tapestry from every window ledge hung extended quilts and sheets and infant swaddling clothes disposed like drapery in short all the few necessary articles which could be converted either bodily or otherwise into the appearances of something superfluous towards evening the hour at which frederigo usually arrived at the church on his visitation tours all who had remained within doors old men women and children for the most part set off to meet him some in procession some in groups headed by don abondio who in the midst of the rejoicing looked disconsolate enough both from the stunning noise of the crowd and from the continual hurrying to and fro of the people which as he himself expressed it quite dimmed his sight together with a secret apprehension that the women might have been babbling and that he would be called upon to tender an account of the wedding at length the cardinal came in sight or to speak more correctly the crowd in the midst of which he was carried in his litter surrounded by his attendants for nothing could be distinguished of his whole party but a signal towering in the air above the heads of the people part of the cross which was borne by the chaplain mounted upon his mule the crowd which was dancing with don abandio hurried forward in a disorderly manner to join the approaching party while he after ejaculating three or four times gently in procession what are you doing turned back in vexation and muttering to himself it is a perfect babble a perfect babble went to take refuge in the church until they had dispersed and here he awaited the cardinal the holy prelate in the meanwhile advanced slowly bestowing benedictions with his land and receiving them from the mouths of the multitude while his followers had enough to do to keep their places behind him as lucia's countrymen the villagers were anxious to receive the archbishop with more than ordinary honors but this was no easy matter for it had long been customary wherever he went for all to do the most they could 
at the very beginning of his episcopate on his first solemn entry into the cathedral the rush and crowding of the populace upon him were such as to excite fears for his life and some of the gentlemen who were nearest to him had actually drawn their swords to terrify and repulse the press such were their violent and uncouth manners that even in making demonstrations of kindly feelings to a bishop and church and attempting to regulate them it was necessary almost to have recourse to bloodshed and that deference would not perhaps have proven sufficient had not two priests strong in body and bold in spirit raised him in their arms and carried him at once from the door of the temple to the very foot of the high altar from that time forward in the many episcopal visits he had to make his first entrance into the church might without joking be reckoned among his pastoral labors and sometimes even among the dangers he had incurred on this occasion he entered as best he could went up to the altar and thence after a short prayer addressed as was his custom a few words to his auditors of his affection for him his desire for their salvation and the way in which they ought to prepare themselves for the services of the morrow then retiring to the parsonage among many other things he had consulted about with the curate he questioned him as to the character and conduct of renzo don abandio said that he was rather a brisk obstinate and hot-headed fellow but on more particular and precise interrogations he was obliged to admit that he was a worthy youth and that he himself could not understand how he could have played all the mischievous tricks at milan which had been reported of him and about the young girl resumed the cardinal do you think she may not now return in security to her own home for the present replied don abandio she might come and be as safe the present i say as she wishes but added he with a sigh your illustrious lordship ought to be always here or at least near at hand the lord is always near said the cardinal as to the rest i will think about placing her in safety and he hastily gave orders that next morning early a litter should be dispatched with an attendant to fetch the two women don abandio came out from the interview quite delighted that the cardinal had talked to him about the two young people without requiring an account of his refusal to marry them then he knows nothing about it he said to himself agnesa has held her tongue wonderful they have to see him again but i will give them further instructions that i will he knew not poor man that frederigo had not entered upon the discussion just because he intended to speak to him about it more at length when they were disengaged and that he wished before giving him what he deserved to hear his side of the question but the intentions of the good prelate for the safe placing of lucia had in the meanwhile been rendered unnecessary after he had left her other circumstances had occurred which we will now proceed to relate the two women during the few days which they had to pass in the tailor's hospitable dwelling had resumed as far as they could each her former accustomed manner of living lucia had very soon begged some employment and as at the monastery diligently plied her needle in a small retired room shut out from the gaze of the people agnesa occasionally went abroad and at other times sat sewing with her daughter their conversations were more melancholy as well as more affectionate both were prepared for a separation since the lamb could not return to dwell so near the wolf's den and when and what would be the end of this separation 
The future was dark and extricable for one of them in particular. Agnesa, nevertheless, indulged in her own mind many cheerful anticipations that Renzo, if nothing evil had happened to him, would sooner or later send some news of himself, and if he had found some employment to which he could settle, if, and how could it be doubted, he still intended to keep faith with Lucia, why could they not go and live with him? With such hopes she often entertained her daughter, who found it, it is difficult to say, whether more mournful to listen to them or painful to reply. Her great secret she had always kept to herself, and uneasy, certainly, at concealing anything from so good a mother, yet restrained invincibly, as it were, by shame, and by the different fears we have before mentioned. She went from day to day without speaking. Her designs were very different from those of her mother, or rather she had no designs, and she had entirely given herself up to providence. She always, therefore, endeavored to divert or to let drop the conversation, or else said, in general terms, that she had no longer any hope or desire for anything in this world except to be soon restored to her mother. More frequently, however, tears came opportunely instead of words. Do you know why it appears so to you, said Agnesa? Because you've suffered so much, and it doesn't seem possible that it can turn out for good to you. But leave it to God, and if, let a ray come in, but one ray, and then I know whether you will always care about nothing. Lucia kissed her mother and wept. Besides this, a great friendship quickly sprang up between them and their host. Where indeed should it exist unless between benefactors and the benefited? When both one and the other are worthy, good people. Agnesa particularly had many long chats with the mistress of the house. The tailor, too, gave them a little amusement with his stories and moral discourses, and at dinner especially had always some wonderful anecdote to relate of Buvo d'Antona, or the Fathers of the Desert. End of chapter 25, part 1 Recording by Jeannie Whitfield